Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, as we continue our study in the book of Mark. And while you're turning there, let me echo what Joey has said to us. You, you know by now, uh, after me having been here, I guess officially about 15 months and unofficially two years and five months, I think, you know me by now that I'm honest uh, with us as a congregation and I'm honest with myself. I, I've discovered something, you guys. When you're honest with God and you're real with God, He'll do business with you. When you're fake and phony, He just kind of says, okay, when you're ready to be real... Let me know and I'll be real with you. And I I don't want to say that today might be monumental in the life of our church family. I I don't want to say that today could literally be a crossroads, no pun intended, for our church family. But I really do believe, not because of me, but because of what we'll see in God's Word today, that my prayer at least is we'll look back on the service today today. As if there's a line been drawn in the sand that will point to what we heard today from God's Word and say things changed because of God's Word and because of what He said to me. It's an interesting story. I mean, we have seen a lot in the book of Mark in the life of Jesus. We saw uh, people who were so uh, devout followers of Jesus and had such a belief in Him that they ripped up a roof and lowered a paralytic down and could care less about the ramifications The results, the consequences, because they believed so much in their heart that this man Jesus could touch their friend and heal him. We saw a little boy give his little loaves and fishes to this man named Jesus and sacrifice the little that he had so Jesus could feed thousands of people. We saw Jesus cast out demons. We saw Jesus ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? And he got the response from them. And yet one lone disciple stood up and said, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, rightly you have answered. We've seen Jesus do a lot of things. We get to this chapter of Mark chapter 10, and he talks about things like divorce, which we're going to talk about in a couple weeks on Sunday night as one of our hot topics. So we won't talk about that this morning. But in this chapter, he talks about that. He also has a conversation with a rich young ruler, and then he talks about who's the greatest among us. And then as he's leaving Jericho, he passes by a young guy, an interesting guy named Bartimaeus. So that's the story that we're going to look at in Mark chapter 10. Let's read it together, starting with verse 46. Mark 10, 46. They came to Jericho, and as he was going, that's Jesus, as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly willing him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, arise, he's calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Friends, it's okay to come to church sometimes and say to Jesus, I want something from you. He's our heavenly father, he loves you. And I've come, I'll be honest. To church this morning wanting something from Jesus. It's okay. Because he loves you. He's a good and perfect father. And Jesus uh, says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says to Jesus, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. I thought about acting this out this morning, because I think sometimes we read Scripture and we don't see it play out in our minds. I was even looking around during the service, seeing who could I put together an impromptu skit this morning. And I know Chloe's a good actor, and I thought about getting Chloe up here, but I can see she's already doing it, so I won't do that, Chloe. I won't embarrass you. 
I thought about maybe Hannah this morning. The problem that I had was, of all the characters in this story, I could find people to fill in, but I'm not sure who would play Jesus. Jacob's got the hair going on. Maybe Jacob could play Jesus this morning. But I thought about demonstrating this for you because sometimes we don't really put ourselves into this picture. Picture it, if you will. Jericho is the place. Jesus is walking through Jericho. There's a multitude of people, the Bible tells us. Why was there a multitude? Because they were following this miracle worker, this magician, this guy who could take a little bit of food and feed thousands of people. Oh, I want to follow him. I want to follow him. So there's this multitude following. There's the disciples following and... As they pass by through this crowd, and and imagine, if you will, I'm assuming by crowd and multitude, I don't know what multitude means. I know it means a lot of people. I'm assuming maybe it's more than a hundred. That's more than us, about our size. Can you imagine, just on Sunday morning when we're fellowshipping, the hubbub and the noise that's going on. Can you imagine hundreds of people following Jesus, the noise that's going on around Jesus, people talking to Jesus, they're following Jesus, and this blind man sitting by the road begins to call out. I picture in my mind he doesn't call out, Son of David, Son of David. Because Jesus probably would not have heard him. He probably said, Son of David! Son of David! Why is he yelling? Why is he screaming? Because he knows, we're going to find out, he knows this is the guy that can touch him and heal him and take away his blindness. Can I be honest with you? Yes, I always am. I was reading this this week. And I told you last week, I write down questions. I think I come to church sometimes and Jesus is ready to do business with me, but I'm just quietly in my little bubble. I don't call out to Jesus. Oh, that I could be like this blind man who so believed in this Messiah that was walking through the crowd. I start yelling out and caring less what people around me think. Sometimes those of us who have grown up in the church especially, and I'm one of those people. It's easy to sit there and be in church mode. And forget that the Messiah is walking through. The same person that a young lady believed if she could just touch, if she could just touch his cloak, she would be healed. My belief system needs to be challenged, folks. Do I really believe? I said last week we're living in a world where I think. The God of the universe is going to sift us to find out how many people have the kind of belief that this blind man have and how many are just following Jesus because he's the magician and the miracle worker. And that's what was happening in this story. And so as this blind man Bartimaeus starts yelling out, the crowd starts telling him, be quiet, be quiet. Now, the word that the scripture uses there is they sternly told him to be quiet. Now, being a parent, I know sometimes when I tell my kids things sternly, it's not, would you please be quiet, sweetheart? It's usually a little more forceful when you use the word sternly, be quiet. It's usually with a look that says, if you don't be quiet, you're going to be on restriction for the rest of your life. So when it says sternly, I don't know what these, the crowd of people said to Jesus to get him to be quiet. But it probably was not very nice. So there's this great multitude following, and then we run into Bartimaeus. Let's talk about Bartimaeus quickly. Bartimaeus is blind, we know that. He's a beggar. He's the son of Timaeus. And the Bible tells us this because apparently there were a lot of people named Bart in Bible days. And so Mark wants us to know that this is not Bart over here. This is Bart, son of Timaeus. Timaeus was a Greek historian and apparently very important. And so this is Bart, his son, son of Timaeus, is what Bartimaeus means, son of Timaeus, a son of honor. And of course, it says in the scripture that when 
Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming through. He heard because he couldn't see. When he heard that Jesus was coming through the crowd, his ears perked up because he was blind. He, he couldn't see where Jesus was. He couldn't walk, walk right up to Jesus. He couldn't present his request to Jesus in a dignified, kind of semi-private manner because he was blind. So he uses what he has. He uses his voice. And he creates this scene. He makes a scene. And people tell him to be quiet. So let's talk about this guy. I'm going to call him Bart. Blind Bartimaeus. In Bible times, and many of you know this, that if you had some deformity, some irregularity, some disability, people sometimes would claim that you had that disability because of a parental sin. So they probably looked down on him. There's two kind of points I want to share with you this morning, because this got radically changed from what I planned to share a few weeks ago. And the first one is this. We want to look at Bart's past. It made me ask the question as I read this again this week. What name are you known by? Let's talk about your past. No, let's not. Let's talk about my past. I remember when I was growing up, uh, when I was probably eight, nine, ten years of age, I had, at least they tell me and I've seen pictures and I vaguely remember, I had this beautiful red hair. And everywhere I went, elementary school and almost in the middle school, they would call me redhead. And I used to think, you're stupid. <laughs> Some of them would call me carrot top, and I would say, you're stupider, because the top of a carrot is not red or orange, it's green. <laughs> Unless you don't know how to plant carrots. But that was my reputation in middle school. I was also chunky. I used to have to go shopping in the husky side of the store. I remember going to Belk's and my mom taking me to Belk's. And we'd go into that section of the store. And I would feel like I wanted to hide. Nobody didn't want anybody from school to see me, middle school to see me. Because I would go over there to the husky section. Now I realize that husky means brute force. Get out of my way, I'll knock you down. But I had this reputation. I had this past, this kind of label that people put on me. And I didn't really like it. And maybe some of you here this morning have your label. For Bart, it was blind Bartimaeus. Makes me ask the question this morning. Again, I just wrote these down this week as I was reading this again. Are you defined by your past? Are you allowing Satan to define you by your past? Let me ask another hard question. These are just what the Lord asked me this week. Some of them are painful. By the way, many times for you and I to get to breakthrough in our lives spiritually, actually I might even say almost all the time, for us to get to breakthrough in our lives spiritually, there's pain. Because pain reveals reality. Pain shows us who we really are. And most of us, if we're honest, don't want to really see who we really are. Because we're ashamed of who we are sometimes. But oh, thank God, there's a verse in the Bible that is rarely quoted. We like to quote John 3.16, but we rarely quote John 3.17. That the Jesus, the Son of God, did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Paul said it this way, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're a child of God this morning... I'm going to ask you at the invitation, and we're going to have a visible invitation this morning. Sure, you can make a decision for Jesus in your seat. You can. But we're going to see in this story, sometimes you have to do something action. You have to do something visible. You have to, like Bartimaeus is going to do in a minute, get up. And some of us need to get up and walk away from our past and say, I'm going to quit being defined by my past. I remember when I was in youth group, there was this saying, and they even put it on t-shirts. And I had one till my wife maybe give away one of my 7,000 t-shirts I had from youth group. She didn't. I'm just kidding. Many of them are in quilts hanging in our house. 
This one slipped by. I don't know where it went. It probably just got so rag, raggedy. Is that a word? Raggedy from me wearing it all the time. It just had to be trash. But on the shirt it said this. The next time Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Some of us need to take that to the bank this morning. It's one thing for you to be defined by your past, but it's even harder when other people define you by your past. And that's exactly what's happening as Bartimaeus is walking through this crowd. Some people are thinking, oh, this is the guy who's disabled. This is the guy who's blind. His parents probably are sinners. Jesus doesn't have time for him. Be quiet! Some of us have people in our life telling us that. Jesus doesn't love you. Wow, you, you're going to church? You think Jesus has anything to say to you with what you've done in your past? If you're hearing those voices this morning, I can tell you where those are coming from. They're not coming from a heavenly father who loves you, who didn't just say, I love you. He didn't just mouth the words, I love you. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just talk. Talk is cheap. He showed us that he loved us. Some people are known by their past. They're stuck known by their past. The blind man, the leper, the thief on the cross. All these years later, that's how we talk about those people. And yet the thief on the cross, who we call the thief on the cross, is one in the very last moment of time called out to Jesus and said, please remember me when you get to your eternity. And Jesus says, surely you will be with me in paradise. So here's my question I wrote down for me. Jack, are you tired of being known for what you used to be? See, some of us have a hard time Forgiving. Some of us have a hard time forgetting. I have a hard time forgetting. I'll share a story real quick that comes to mind, not even in my notes, but it probably was uh, 14 years ago. And I had a friend I had known for about 20 years that I thought would step out in front of a moving train for me. And then I found out some things were said that weren't true. Some things that people believed cost me my job, cost me my career, cost me my calling at the time. Cost me where I was going to move to. And people would say, Did you forgive him? It took me a while. I had to confess with my mouth and agree with God what God says about forgiving someone and then allow the Holy Spirit to change my heart. It's a process, it is a process. We've since restored our relationship, and I don't even think about it anymore. I've forgotten, except right this moment, maybe for the sake of sharing that with you. We can forgive and we can forget. We can forgive ourselves and we for can forget and we can move beyond our past. So Bart, the blind Bart, Bartimaeus, had an interesting past, but he also did something about his past, and he, he prayed. He, he shouted out to Jesus. But before we look at his prayer, let's look at what was going on while he was praying. Because people, even in his desperation, as he's shouting out for Jesus, are telling him to basically, in our vernacular, shut up. Be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you. He has time for more important things. 
Jesus has time for you today, by the way. So Bart prays. Verse 47, what does he say? When he hears that Jesus, the Nazarene, is coming through town, he begins to cry out and he says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It's interesting that he says, Son of David. Because that term, in those days, showed that Bartimaeus knew somehow Maybe it's from all the other things that have happened. You, you understand this area of the world where Jesus walked and where he did these miracles. I was looking at a map this morning and pulled out a map again to look. We're not talking about the, state of the, the, the size of the United States of America. We're talking about a, a size area maybe as big as Greenville and Spartanburg County where Jesus spent most of his ministry. Do you think if someone fed 5,000 people with some loaves and fishes over in Greer, we wouldn't hear about it? Or over in Lawrence, we wouldn't hear about it? The reputation would start spreading. So here this guy is, Jesus, walking through the crowd of Jericho, which is about 100, I think 150 miles from Capernaum, where Jesus recently and earlier in Mark did some miracles. This guy knew, so he starts calling out, Son of David. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the King, who was destined to fulfill all the Scriptures. We know this also because he, he cries out to him again. When the people say, be quiet, he cries out again. Later in this story, he goes up to Jesus when he finally gets up and he calls him Rabbani, which is an endearing term. To indicate he believed that Jesus was not just a teacher, but Jesus was who he said he was. He believed that Christ's time was coming. It's interesting that he called out in prayer, in a sense, he called out to Jesus, Son of David. It's interesting, all the commotion going on. Do you picture it? All the noise, all the people are walking, the hubbub of activity as they're following Jesus. They're walking through. Here's this blind beggar shouting out, Son of David! Son of David! He's sitting, the Bible tells us. Have mercy on me. Everybody else is interested in the Jesus parade. It's another question I wrote down this week. Jack, is that you? Are you more interested in the stuff that surrounds Jesus than Jesus himself? Are you more interested in the parade, the hubbub of following the miracle worker and the magician than you are in Jesus himself? See, I've discovered something, and it's taken me 50 plus years to discover it. Some of you already are way ahead of me, and you know, and you're going, yeah, you'll learn more when you get my age, Sonny. I understand. i got a long way to go and a short time to get there. But I've also discovered, I love the things I pursue. The things I don't pursue, I don't love. I found out if I pursue Jesus, I will start loving Jesus more. We tend to think it's the opposite. Oh God, make us love you and then we'll pursue you. It doesn't work that way. Jesus taught us that when he said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. In that whole conversation when he talked about things that are important. Here we have Bart who is trying his best to pursue after Jesus. He was honest with Jesus. I said earlier, when you get real with God, he'll get real with you. He was crying out to Jesus. And he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That was his cry. That was his prayer in a sense. Let me ask us this this morning. What is your prayer? Do you have a plastic, bubblegum, counterfeit, 20th century American church, cheesy prayer? Is that what your prayer is? Oftentimes, that's what my prayer is. Or is your prayer so real, so gut-wrenching, so raw, so transparent, that you don't care, like Bart, who hears, what they think. You just want Jesus to hear you. I remember when I was dating, and I didn't date a lot of people. 
when Lynette and I finally started dating, and I've told you a little bit of our story and how I proposed and all that, folks, I did not care what people thought. I was in love. I didn't care what you thought. I didn't care if you thought your daddy could beat up my daddy. I don't care what you thought because I was in love. Oh, that the church was in love with Jesus as much as we're in love with some other things. So Bartimaeus starts crying out to Jesus. And I wrote this down. Lord, would not have silent conviction alone been enough? And I felt like God, I just, again, these are my notes. I wrote this answer. For Bartimaeus... He could have quietly believed while he sat there that this man that everyone was fussing about could touch him. But in his situation, Jesus would have walked right on by. I wonder sometimes for myself, I wrote this down too, I wonder how often, I'll use me, I wonder how often I come to church. And you may say, well, Jack, you're the preacher. It's hard for you to do. No, it's not. The easiest place to be apathetic, I'm going on record so you can hold me accountable, the easiest place to be apathetic, complacent, and a mediocre Christian is the guy who stands up here and preaches every week. That may come as a shock to you. It's like, how can that happen? It can happen because all of this that we do can become a script. And you just go through the motions. And Jesus is doing nothing in here day in and day out. I know from experience because I've been there before. God forbid I'm not there again. We can go through the motions and fake it all out. So silent conviction is good. And we talked about convictions and traditions and personal preferences a few weeks ago. But beyond silent conviction, sometimes we have to get up and move into action. And sometimes the action is not for God to move. It's not like we have to do something to, to some formula to get God to do something. God, the Holy Spirit, sits poised. He's ready to do a work in our life. Sometimes the trigger for God to let us know that, hey, we're serious, is for us to get up and move. And so we have Bartimaeus who's sitting there. And he decides, okay, today I'm going to be real with you, Jesus. I could sit here quietly, but fortunately... He had the kind of faith to speak up and to act up. And he was willing to be real. What did the crowd do? Oh, he, had some, he had some objection. It wasn't easy because the crowd was ready. They tried to keep him down. They tried to get him to be quiet. And sometimes that's what the crowd does. Sometimes... Sometimes that's what people who say they love us do. Sometimes that's what we as church members do. If revival breaks out or we get serious and things are gonna things are gonna be different, it won't be like what we're used to, it won't be our normal Sunday. And that's a little uncomfortable for me. And so unknowingly, sometimes we as believers pressure ourselves as a group to stay where we are spiritually. I've been guilty. We see somebody where revival's breaking out in their heart. And it's like, shh, 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 shh. Want you on fire for Jesus, but not that on fire. Just about 250 degrees, not 500 degrees. I remember I've shared this just real quickly. It's just illustration for you. Maybe it will help. I remember the first time in the Dominican Republic when I went there with my kids. Lauren was, I think, 11 or 12. Will was 9, 10. Lynette and I and some other people about 10 years ago. I remember Will coming home from that trip. Coming downstairs the next day and saying, Hey, Dad, family meeting. Thinking... Who's this little 10-year-old punk calling a family meeting? Long story short, he said, I think I need to get rid of everything in my room. 
I said, why is that, son? I knew why. I mean, I'd been there, third world countries before. He said, well, they don't have all this stuff. I don't really need all this stuff. I said, Mom and I will talk about it. We'll let you know in the morning. Again, long story short, he came back down the next morning and we just said, you can get rid of everything you want, but you have to at least keep your bed. You're in third grade. You got to get a good night's sleep. You got school. Guys, till this day, that's pretty much when it, what's in his room. That's it. Say, so what does that have to do with what you're talking about? Here's what it has to do with what I'm talking about. You pray even for your kids to hear the voice of God and to hear the, see the Holy Spirit work in their life. And then even as a parent that night, you almost want to quelch it a little bit. I want God to work in your life, but whoa, buddy, that's getting a little radical. I don't want all your friends to think, he's weird. He's getting rid of everything in his room because of what he saw in the third world. You see what I'm saying, folks? We can do that in the church. Even as a follower of Jesus, we can quelch and squelch and quench the work of the Holy Spirit and people around us. Because we're sometimes fearful that they're going to be more spiritual than us. Or God's going to do a work in their life and we're going to get left out. Or they're going to look more holy and we're going to look less holy. Guys, we all want to pursue the Messiah, the Jesus of the world. Or we should. I've had a lot of conversations and I've shared this with you before with those who are outside these walls. The two things that I often hear, one reason they're not in here is because they think we're judgmental. The other reason that they're not in here is sometimes they have a relationship with Christ. They come to Christ and they come in here and the spiritual temperature of the environment, not just this church, I'm talking about church in general. The spiritual temperature of the church they come in starts squelching their fire for Jesus and they're like, what happened? I thought all this stuff that I heard at the invitation that I heard from the pastor that I heard from God's word is true and real. And now all of a sudden I get in the environment of people who say they're Jesus followers and my temperature's going down spiritually. It's exactly what was happening when he was walking down the streets or sitting by the street. Bartimaeus said, Jesus walking down the street. Bartimaeus Spiritual temperature on fire. The rest of the crowd, mediocre, lukewarm, following the magician, the sorcerer who's creating all this food out of nothing. And because of his spiritual tempers, he's crying out to Jesus. They start to pour water on him. Figuratively. We call it in church work, you've heard it before, the cold water committee. Remember when I was a youth pastor, we'd come back from retreats and we'd come back from mountaintop experiences and the teenagers would be on fire for Jesus and they'd come back and then they'd be in a worship service and they'd start maybe wanting to lift up their hand and worship because that's what they did at the youth retreat. And some adults would look at them like, what are you doing? You're getting Pentecostal. They wouldn't say that, but they would look at them. What are you doing? Put your hand down. That's not our environment here, thank God. By the way, I've said this before, but lifting your hands is not Pentecostal. Lifting your hands is a sign of I surrender. I know that from watching cops. (laughs) Not that I have any personal experience with that, by the way. Sometimes the crowd, what I'm saying is, sometimes the crowd can be in our church. Sometimes the crowd can be in our youth group. Sometimes the crowd be in our house so what was Jesus response we're going to wrap up here what was Jesus response to this man crying out son of David have mercy on me son of David have mercy on me here was Jesus response perhaps the most two powerful words in all the Bible Jesus stopped he stopped I hear, Son of David, have mercy on me. Who's, shh, shh, shh. Son of David. Go get that man. Go get that man. Tell him to come here. He stopped. He said, come to me. So he called the blind man. 
So take courage, arise. He's calling for you. Jesus is calling for you. And what did Bart do? He cast aside his cloak. He jumped up and he went to Jesus. He went to Jesus and Jesus answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. We know Mark loves that word. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. So what was Bart's response? His response was to go to the one that he knew could change his situation. He was willing to be real. Now, if you study this story, and you understand that Bart lived in Jericho, and you study the rest of Mark, and you study the other Gospels, and you see where Jesus was walking in that area of the world, we know something about Jericho, and we know something about this trip with Jesus. This was the last time Jesus would ever go through Jericho. Last time. This was his last shot. What if today was your last shot? What if today was the last shot you had for God to do a work in your life? What if it was the last shot God had to do a work in your marriage? What if it was the last shot God had to do a work in your situation? See, I think the the challenge of living, and again, I love this country. God had us here for a reason. Most of us were born here in a reason. Some of us maybe not born in America. Wherever you were born, you were born there for a reason. So I'm not discounting that. But I think a lot of times, those of us who are born in America, especially in the Bible Belt where we all live, that we just think, I know I need to do business with God, but I'll do it. We'll be here next Sunday. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. It's part of our culture. It's a part of our just putting things off. It's part of also our familiarity with things like this that we get to do week in and week out, which we sometimes take for granted. Hopefully, one of the lessons we have learned from COVID is not to take this for granted. But what if today was your last shot? I don't know what's going to happen when you and I walk out the door. I'm not wishing anything negative, anything bad, anything morbid happen to any of us. But statistically speaking, anything can happen when we walk out the door. Why do you and I do what my grandfather told me not to do, put off till tomorrow what we should do today? Are you ready to be real? I wrote down this question. Jack, are you willing to admit your need for Jesus? In every situation. And then I wrote there beside it. If you're not, he already knows anyway. It's not like he doesn't know what's going on. Maybe the admission is all that needs to happen for the Holy Spirit to step in and take action. Church family, we're going to have a little bit different invitation this morning. And I've been praying all week about how we should do this because I know in the midst of our COVID time, some of you maybe are a little antsy, and that's understandable and quite all right. But I know, and I'm not God, that all of us in here, because I know me, have issues. I know all of us, if we could peel back the layer of our heart and reveal that spiritually to one another and to Jesus, I know we all have needs. Just like Jesus saying, what, what, do, you, what do you want from me? I think this morning, he's saying that to you and to me.
What, what do you want from me? I'm your heavenly father. I love you. My kids come ask me for something legitimate. I mean, the Maserati is off the list, okay? But when they come ask me for something legitimate, it's like, what do you, what do you want from me? I, I love you. Why are you hee-hauling around asking for this when I want to give you this? I'm your heavenly father. What do you want from me? So this morning in about five minutes, we're going to have an, an invitation. We've put some chairs around the room. I mean, I know you're in a chair. But we put some over here where Steve is. There's some up here at the front. There's some down this wall over here. I realize what I'm asking some of you to do is maybe raw and ugly and snot flying. and I, I know that. But guys, I, I can give you a 100% money back guarantee and tell you something. That when you get real with God, He will explode your life in a huge way. Because He wants to be real with you. But as long as some of us have this kind of charade and this facade and these masks that we put on, then I think our Heavenly Father, much like I do with my kids, well, when you're ready to be serious, then we'll talk. Much like I do with my kids, I think, that, I think God just kind of goes, okay. When you're ready to be real, just let me know. So I don't know what being real looks like for you. I don't know the intimate things of all of our lives. I wish I did. It's one of the pastors that's a hard thing to do, even with a crowd this size. It's impossible. That's why small groups are so important. But in just a minute, we've got these areas. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, I know you can make a decision in your seat. I know you can. And for some of you, the decision that you need to make today, you've never done it. Maybe you've been a part of this church for years, months, decades. But you've, you've never, like Bartimaeus, said to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I need you to save me. There's no shame in that. I was a part of church for six years before I did that. Everybody thought I was a Christian. I'd already been baptized. And when I went down front the second time, they're like, well, what's, he must be recommitting. You can't recommit or rededicate anything that hasn't been dedicated once. So there's no shame in that. For some of us, maybe that's what we need to do is we need to say yes to Jesus. For some of us, maybe we have issues going on in our, our lives and, and Jesus is just saying, what do you want me to do for you? And maybe you need to come take a chair and you need to kneel. And you just need to tell Jesus what you need. So before we do that, our kind of song of invitation, uh, Tyler was going to sing it this morning. He's not feeling well uh, to sing. Uh, I want you to watch this, watch this song and then we'll have our invitation. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray in the quietness of these quietness of this moment that the truth will be told. And we'd be honest with you. Lord, for some of us, life is great and our relationship with you is great, and that's wonderful. But the, for the rest of us, Lord, would you help us do business with you this morning? And while you're sitting there in your seat praying, just give you a few minutes, I'm going to ask. Joey to come and just quietly play at the piano if he would. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand just so if some of you need to slip out and get it to a chair, you can. Would you be honest with the Lord today? If you're real with him, I promise you he'll be real with you. Would you stand with me? You just continue to pray if you would. If you need to do business with the Lord, again, there's some 
chairs around if you need to talk to somebody. I'm down here. I'm going to ask Heath to come down too. We'd love to pray with you. It's times with, uh, between you and the Lord, so do what God lays on your heart to do today, church family. Church family, I'm going to ask Joey just to keep playing. Uh, folks, we're not in a hurry. Where we got to go? We're not in a hurry. If you need to do business with the Lord, I'm going to ask you to do that. If you need to sit down, that's fine. Feel free to have a seat. Some of you are wrestling around with the Holy Spirit. Been there, done that, you lose. He wins because he loves you. So I'm just going to ask him to keep playing for another couple of minutes. If you need to grab a chair to pray or you want to come up to the front and grab Heath or I, I'd love to pray with you, okay? Just a couple more minutes. Anybody? Amen. Would you have a seat for just a minute? My friend Don, will you come here just a minute, brother? And I know others of you have come down asking for prayer. Uh, but Don just 
grabbed my hand this morning and he said, uh, I want to give it all to Jesus today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we just give a hand for the Lord? Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, just a few quick announcements this morning. Uh, I would encourage you in your small groups, uh, if you would, what did I do with it? There we go. To, uh, for our teachers to continue our discussion. Uh, one of the hard things about uh, this time is you, you get to listen more and I get to talk more. <laughs> uh, but in your small groups, that's where you can have conversations. So I'd encourage you to kind of pick up. And I know I think in our uh, book of Mark study notes, there's some questions in there you can talk about. So leaders, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Just a couple of quick things really quick before we slide that way. Uh, 11.45, right after our small groups, we have our Vacation Bible School Volunteer Luncheon. If you've checked in with Kayla and you want to help volunteer for Bible school, and I know she's going to need a lot of people, folks. Uh, we're expecting double the norm because last year was virtual. So people are going to be thinking, kids, we're getting you out of the house for sure so I can go do my thing. So we need to prepare accordingly. Tonight, uh, we will be jumping into our first hot topic, which is Does God Love Homosexuals? I would encourage you to come. Uh, I think some of us might be surprised what the Bible has to say. Maybe not, but uh, come join us. We're going to be talking about that. This afternoon, if you're on the safety team, we have a quick meeting at 5 o'clock. We're going to look at the report. I think I mentioned to you last week, and hopefully if you're on the email list or you got a letter this week. Did you get a letter this week from the church? Okay, wonderful. Nobody? Anybody? Okay, good. Just I didn't want to have to have a talk with the postmaster. Um, uh, you know that uh, we got a 40-plus page report from our safety assessment group that was here. It's phenomenal work that they did. A lot of things that were reminders to us of things we need to do to keep our campus safe, and especially our children and young people. So safety team will be meeting at, at 5 o'clock, all right? All right, let me pray for us. And uh, I'm going to ask Joey to play after we pray. And if you'll just kind of quietly, reverently move to your small groups, uh, I would appreciate it. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that when we get real with you, you get real with us. I pray that as we go into our small groups, you'd help us to continue the conversation and to be real with you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.